Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. The gift of perspective, you know, it's harnessing your inner power. And I'll tell you where the gift of perspective came. And, um, my mentor, my, which was my boss for 13 years, lost her husband uh, to cancer uh, about six months before we were also losing our job. Um, and it was a planned separation. So we had this wonderful gift of time. And I purposely say it's a gift of time because, you know, we were able to sit back and go through the emotions of, oh, my God, I'm losing my corporate job. What do I do next? Um, for her, it was the process of I have my job and I'm also grieving my spouse. But the reason the gift of perspective came up is in 13 years with any individual, you're going to sit back and go through a lot. We had health issues with our family members. We had births. We had deaths. You name it. So after my mentor's husband passed, we had one of those conversations that got me to my core. And she was telling me how in this immunotherapy trial he was on, which was expected to work. We didn't know he was going to have side effects to it because no one had side effects like he did. Um, The very optimistic nurse had said to him, so what is it that you're most happy doing in your life? And my mentor sat back and said, before she could even think of how she would answer the question, he was rattling it out. Like it was just, he had his own gift of perspective Mm -hmm. sitting there knowing that he mentored college athletes. That was his passion. And we were sitting back and I, I get goosebumps when I talk about it because it's just, it really is a nod to him and his influence. Even though he was someone over 13 years, I talked to maybe a handful of times, but he clearly influenced her. And so while we were having these like earth shattering conversations about perspective and what a gift it is, even though we've lost our own parents and all these other things, the perspective we were given on how to navigate life after these traumatic events gives you a different perspective. And I I want to hear that one more time because you said the gift, um, how to navigate these traumatic experiences afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've had to sit back and just navigate life after all of these experiences. And it's not always really easy. So case in point, I lost my mom 11 years ago, a month before the birth of my son. Traumatic. It was unexpected. She wasn't ill. It was after a surgery. So of course, now I have surgery phobia. Um, So a lot of different things. So now I had to go through, you know, the first couple of years with my infant son and my three-year-old daughter trying to figure out, oh, how do I do this without my mother? You know, one of the most integral parts of a woman's life. Um, And it took some time. And obviously I did it. You know, you get through 100% of everything you've ever faced, you know, right? (laughs) You do. You You absolutely do. And it was probably a couple of years later that through the midst of that grief, I kind of sat back and said, 
I've got to stop mourning the loss of what I don't have, which was my relationship with my, my, with my mother. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. What I had to do was actually start embracing the relationship I had with my own children, mm-hmm. especially my daughter, because as you know, the mother-daughter relationship is so unique. And I'll tell you, that was a mental shift for me. And I look at my 14-year-old, we're in the middle of teenage years, and some days I want to strangle the kid. Um, But, you know, she comes to me with most of her problems. Yeah, they're the the teenage ones that you don't want to admit. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I have the relationship with my daughter that I didn't have with my mom at that age speaks to that mental shift that I did. And I'm so grateful for it, you know, to have a daughter that can sit here and say, mom, I want to talk about periods or I had, you know, family life education and I have some questions. Okay. Well, I'm uncomfortable here too, kiddo. So (laughs) buckle up. We're in it together. (laughs) Exactly. And it's the silly things of, of not sitting here and saying, I'm too embarrassed to have this conversation with you. It's actually being able to say, you know what? It's embarrassing for me too. So let's just do it together. And I'm uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. We'll figure it out. Let's flush that out. <laughs> exactly. Um, say it one more time. You said the that mind shift, because I love so much of what I talk about too, is that perspective shift. And mm-hmm. so you said, I had to shift from mourning the loss of my mom yeah. to treasuring the relationship you have with your daughter. Is that- That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Because when you think of your relationship with your mother, most people have wonderful relationships with their mother. I was more like my dad. So, you know, in the teenage throes, you know, it was my dad who, you know, got all my attention. I was a daddy's girl. Yeah. But then as I got an adult, you know, got to adulthood, I should say. (laughs) And, you know, I started having more one-on-one time with her and the relationship grew. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she was... You know, she was a product of my grandparents who I love dearly, but they were not necessarily the most affectionate people in certain regards and stuff. Love them dearly. I know they loved us, but you know, it was generational. And that's that gift of perspective, right? Because so much of um, either what we talk about here on the podcast or what I've talked about with people or just reading on my own, what comes up in my feed, it's like so much is that... um, that those core things that are formed in us or those core wounds, you know, um, mm-hmm. patterns and so much as the patterns passed down. And it's like, we take everything so personally. And Absolutely. then I feel like, as you said, it's that gift of perspective where suddenly it's like, oh, they're just like, I'm a product of my past. They're a product of theirs. Mm-hmm. You've got it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's one of those that, you know, my husband actually helped me figure out that relationship with my mom mm. and my grandmother yeah. and why, you know, she would talk to her mom and then I'd call unbeknownst to me and we'd get an argument, you know, and Ooh, he would sit carry back over. It was. So it was, you know, that, that common, you know, thread of what's the last time she talked to her mother? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. She did mention she talked to her two days ago. Yeah. You know, so, but as we got older and I was able to, you know, not be in that kid child relationship, it was more a peer to peer sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just realized that the relationship changed. Yeah. But if I hadn't lost her and gone through the process, 
I feel like I would have continued that pattern. You know, Mm -hmm. it would have been, oh, I talked to my mom. Now I'm going to yell at my kid, (laughs) you know, because I'm frustrated. Yes. It's the um, friend of mine. I might get it wrong, but it's like the transfer of energy. And mm-hmm. so it's that, you know, you get stressed or you get anxious for whatever reason, whatever triggers you and you, you panned that anxiety off. And it's like, I can see most of the time when I get mad at my kids and mm-hmm. I, and I can see how that happens. And it's like shifting my perspective. I'm like, dang, in there, it's like, well, why do sometimes I get yelled at for doing this? And sometimes I don't, why is it sometimes when I do this, it's not a big deal. And other, t- I mean, I can just imagine their little minds, why it's like so confusing um, but once again, it's like, oh, because we're transferring all of that stuff around and energy. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I loved my mom. I oh, still yeah. love my mom. Like, you know, she is the reason I am where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, I, she pushed me to my successes. Yeah. Um, you know, and she had depression and anxiety too, yeah. which, you know, I think most people these days struggle with. Yeah. But 10 years ago, you didn't actually talk about it. Yeah, no. You know? So, you know, there are often times that I kind of go through and I sit here and go, you know, if mom were around, I wonder how she would have changed and embraced mm-hmm. this, you know, because yeah. it's just different. So, yeah. you know, instead of always sitting here and go, I wish, I wish, I wish, mm-hmm. I'd much rather take that energy and say to my daughter, you know, I'm sad too, you know? I mean, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up in a house where if mom was right, mom was right. There was no disagreeing. And, you know, if she realized she was wrong, there was no coming back and saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. But I do that, you know, because it's a shift you're you're seeing like. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want her to think that moms are infallible and always right. You know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I get it wrong, (laughs) you know, but I also yeah. want to sit there and say, I don't want her to fear the um, the reaction of mm-hmm. things. What I really want her to do is say, you know, God forbid the worst case scenario, you know, happens. Go to mom. She may not like it right away, but she'll help me figure it out. Yeah. Like, that's my ultimate goal, especially yeah. because teenagehood now is so much harder. Yeah. So much more going on and whatnot. I'd love to pick your brain. Um about this whole, in the beginning, you said the gift of perspective after going through traumatic events. Cause now I feel like I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to feel like before, um, and we'll just say before 2020, um, just cause it's a nice, nice, uh, you know, line mark. in the sand. Yeah. Like a nice line in the sand <laughs> and, you know, everyone can relate because of the pandemic. But the other thing I always point out too, is, um, that quote, I just used it in another episode. It's like the whole same storm, different boats. Mm -hmm. But I think also sometimes we ignore that there's multiple storms. Like everyone's not just dealing with the pandemic. I mean, there's so much more. And so um, I think before 2020, for me, I would have said, I'm trying to live my life and, and you know, harness all this wisdom and whatnot to save myself from, Mm -hmm. let's just say heartache, heartache, pain, all that stuff. And now the gift of perspective after going through really hard stuff, it's like, I just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm finally getting it. Like it's not to avoid the hard times. It's to help navigate through the hard times. And then once you do it, you have that gift of perspective to either help someone else through it, help yourself, help your kids. It's like, for me, this whole 2020 has been such a mind shift in that, you know, it's not about avoiding the pain. It's about embracing it and learning from it and letting it not be in vain. 
So um, anyway, that's my own like kind of two cents of it. So you being the expert on it, um, as people are navigating through, because, you know, I think at this point we all thought, um, oh, the pandemic's going to be over, you know, <laughs> but Today, I hope. Is, yes. Um, and it's going to, and, and I think luckily we are on that like upswing, I think at the cusp of um, mm-hmm. things, hopefully changing, but one, we all know we're not going to go back to normal and there's good to that too, right? Like there's so much we're learning from this and changes, like what are the changes we want to hold on to now that we have this gift of perspective? What do we want? So exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I, I often tell my kids and, and, you know, so, you know, I haven't been coaching, you know, I'll be coaching for just about a year um, in a couple of weeks. And this came after leaving my corporate job. So corporate job came and, and said, okay, you're going to leave March 31st is your last day. And, you know, you go through those emotions and whatnot. And then, you know, you sit here and you start planning, okay, I'm going to stop working and I'm going to take a month off and I'm going to do this. Yeah, no, none of that happened because it was all different. So I started um, my certification training really in early March, you know, which was phenomenal timing, again, gift of perspective. So during that training, one of the things that it taught me is that everybody has a different map. And what that means is just look at your own family. I I use this a lot because this makes the most sense to people. If you say, point to where home is on a map, every single person is going to do it a little bit different. You might get one person who does the exact address. You might get one person who does um, the city or town you live in. Another person might say the state. Or you might have someone who's a transplant and put it in a totally different location because they're attached to where home was. So just in the context of a four-person house, you're all going to be a little bit different. So that's kind of what perspective really is. It's everybody's individual map. You yourself are very different from yesterday because you've had 24 hours more life. You know, So now as we're sitting here trying to navigate forward... I'm a mom of two, scout mom for both kids. I mean, um, one of my clients actually said participation doesn't always equal purpose. And that spoke to me because I was the person who, as a working mom, didn't want to miss anything. It was too important to me. So, you know, I commuted to Silver Spring and home. I live in Ashburn, so that can be hour 15, you know, on the worst days. I was killing myself traveling and rushing and and constantly doing this for things that didn't necessarily equate to, you know, the most value or the most memorable moments. You know, it was important to be there, but it wasn't the most significant. So now as we're in this pandemic, um, you know, we've learned to slow down. Like as a society, the one word I hate is busy. Mm -hmm. All right. Everybody is busy. I don't care who you are. You know, you can be a solo singleton or you can have, you know, 10 kids. Everyone is busy. It's what you fill your time with. Mm -hmm. So we've now had this gift of time in this pandemic to say, what's really most important? You know, have we done away with the activities that we were doing just to fill time? Are we really treasuring the family dinners that we didn't have because we were shuttling from, you know, work to activity and then to schoolwork or whatever it is, but everybody's is a little bit different. So you've got to really embrace, um, what it is that you want to do and what you as a family structure and a family unit, what you want to do. Yeah. I love that because 
like you said, it's, um, it's that gift of perspective with, we really figured out what do we want to spend our time doing? I feel like the, um, what is it? Well, one Susan McCorkendale past guest talks a lot about no as a complete sentence. And I think that, you know, it's that power of saying no for me in the beginning of the pandemic, it was this feeling, especially as a recovering people pleaser and high achiever, mm-hmm. wanting to do all the things and be the thing for all the people. And that, 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 when the quarantine started, the, the like really lockdown, you would have thought, especially as I joke, you know, that I'm the introvert extrovert, I talk to people and whatnot. You would have thought I would have been miserable where I had this sigh of relief because suddenly because of this pandemic, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. And it was such that feeling of relief that I thought, and thankfully I'm learning from all these wise podcast guests like yourself, that like, I need to lean into that feeling. Like, that's weird that I'm feeling that sense of relief. Where's that coming from? And it's, oh, I think I was running myself ragged and just, I'm really seeing, wow, there are things that I do enjoy, things that I don't. And it took me probably about six months into the pandemic to realize that I don't need a pandemic to say no. Yes. The word no is very powerful and most people don't know how to use it. You know, everything you said, recovering people pleaser, Mm -hmm. extroverted introvert, you know, you've, you've just, define me in, in, you know, your sentences there. Um, Having been a leader for my daughter's Girl Scout troop and a leader for my son's Cub Scout troop, um, I was just embracing, yes, yes, I'll do everything. Mm -hmm. But then there came a point where it was just, no, I can't do it. I'm done. And our our, uh, pack leader for Cub Scouts, very sweet man, loved working with him. Um, You know, he'd just look at you and say, do you think you can do that? And in the beginning, it would be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it for you because you're such a nice guy and I'm happy to help you. You know, you work just as hard. And finally, I realized, no, I can say no to you. And, you know, I I finally, I think I said to his wife, you know, I know how to say no to your husband. (laughs) You know, I figured it out. I figured it out. I said, if I could say no to him, I can say no to anybody. And once I embraced that no is an acceptable answer, it was life changing because it was, why am I doing all this stuff and stressing myself out? And I think as women, we sit back and we struggle with what our identity is. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite. Mm -hmm. I I learned this over the lack of jobless Mm -hmm. Karen that that exists. So (laughs) I just put two and two together, Karen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Karen. And it's a rough year. It's a rough year. It is. But I always like to say, yeah, everything I do is Karen, (laughs) you know, so I just sit back and I have fun with that. But, you know, again, as women, our identity is often connected to what it is that we do. I mean, I had an identity crisis when I left my corporate job. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm no longer the director. I'm no longer the person who does this. I'm no longer the person who does this, 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 and this. And it was very hard to say, well, who am I? I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a volunteer, I'm a, but all of my identities were actually tied into those things. Doing the doings. Yeah, exactly. But who am I? You know, what value do I have me, you know, um, without being a Karen, you know, what is it that I can bring? You You, know, you can redefine Karen. You are Karen. I am. And, you know, as I sit back and I redefine who I am and what I can bring to the world, um, 
no is an acceptable answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to be the stressed maniac all the time. You know, yeah, I still get stressed. And yeah, I'm a hot mess half the time. I'm not going to tell you, you know, the 10 minutes before getting we ready for are. this. We exactly. Are. We all are. That's so, the thing, right? We all show up like, it's like cleaning the house, you know, like oh, the house is a mess. Like, yeah, I really did just spend 15 minutes though. Like, rushing around like a maniac. Yes. And and to make it look like I didn't clean, like I have to clean. So it looks like I didn't clean. Correct. To get it up to that standard. Exactly. So you can sit there. Oh, sorry. The house is a mess today. (laughs) Actually, this is my version of clean, but we do that with everything, right? Like, I mean, that's all the showing up we do most of the time, I would say. And peeling back those layers, there's such freedom there. So Right. So instead of pulling back the layers for just when people are showing up, why can't we just stop and and show up for ourselves? And once I started to realize that I am not defined by my career choices or even what my career was, I'm defined by the actions that I take and the the pieces of, of happiness that I can put out in the world, you know, um, my son bridged to, to Boy Scouts just before the pandemic ended, thank goodness. So we were able to get like one last celebration in before the unknown came. But, you know, I don't feel a need to jump right back into that. I still have Girl Scouts because my daughter loves it. And we do um, dog transports for a shelter. You know what? Right now, that's good enough. Yeah. I don't need to go and, you know, go above and beyond and add more to my plate. I'd rather sit here and coach people on how to find their inner happy. I I see a counselor, you know, I've, I've since I lost my mom, you know, I get stress and anxiety and all this stuff. And I know when I need to talk to her. And the best part of it is I know exactly when I need to talk to her. And I've learned from her, you know, it's okay to say no, it's okay to not be okay. And, um, yeah, you know, you just move forward. And I've even sat back and said, despite all this stuff that's going on, I'm still happier than I've ever been. Yeah, that's great. So the word that was really important. Yeah. And you said something pretty powerful, which is, uh, you didn't say this, but what I heard is basically you are working your own stuff out mm-hmm. and that helps you work with other people. And you also said another thing that I wanted to flip a little perspective on. You said you've been coaching, formally coaching about a year, you know, Mm -hmm. but you were in your old corporate job for 13 years where you were coaching people. So I think that that's important because that's that perspective you bring to the table, you know, and that's why being able to work with different people. So who kind of are your ideal clients that you work with? That's a fabulous question. And you're absolutely right. I have been coaching, you know, through my career and, and, you know, I've, I had the benefit of being able to rehire my entire staff a couple of times, you know, because we were a small team. So, you know, you lose one person, you're like, Oh God, that's half my team. Um, and then build, you know, from that too. Um, but, you know, I think I really enjoy working with women especially working women, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a parent, but you know, that's kind of the person that I can relate to most. And I feel like uh, you are going to want a coach that understands where you're at. So working moms are ideal, but you know, working women, certainly. And I'm actually getting into teenage coaching. 
So I had an acquaintance reach out to me and and want to find out more information on teenagers. And it's actually an area that I really want to explore. Um, You know, having a 14-year-old, I understand the 14-year-old mind. I understand the 14-year-old struggles. Um, And there's such a a gift being able to make an impact there that will help them the rest of their lives. So I'm I'm currently tooling that out right now to figure out like how to how to do it because if I were to get a, a teenage client, I don't want them to be forced to come to me and mm-hmm. and say my mom is making me do this, mm-hmm. you know, and feel like they did something wrong. You know, I want them to see it as you know, just a a sounding board to say, this is what I'm struggling with. Because Mm -hmm. coaching is really um, uh, personal development. Yeah. It's what can I grow from? Yeah, we always talk about the past because that's how you get to where you are and that's your map and, and all this stuff. But, you know, it's different from a therapist because I'm not sitting here trying to diagnose you. I'm putting that line in the sand and saying, how can we make life better moving forward? Mm-hmm. Are we a better friend? Are we a better parent? Are we a better employee or whatever it is? Um, so yeah, so those are those are the two kind of categories I'm, I'm finding myself getting into. I think coaching in the next few years is really gonna, um, I can't think of the right word, whether it's like grow or, but be important or be more important. Cause I always joke that my podcast is I guess I should just say it's personal development. I think that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's probably personal development, because, but I've joked that it's like pre-therapy. It's mm-hmm. trying to plant the seeds in people so that they know they're not alone. And that, and whether it's therapy or just, I always say like having the, con- so that you can have your own conversations and not necessarily publicly on a podcast, but with a friend, you know, to really open up about, Hey, I thought I was the only one that had this or whatnot, because you think about, um, how much connection people used to have. There's like a story um, and I'll get it wrong, I'm sure, but like it was this village where they brought in um, like power maybe and they had a washing machine. Ah, I might be getting it wrong, but the whole point of it though is that it kept breaking and they kept coming back and fixing it and coming back and fixing it. And what ended up happening is that it was the women like sabotaging it because they didn't want it because they wanted to go down to the river and spend time washing and talking together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think about that. There's just so much that we used to do with people or, you know, you get ready for something and it takes time. I want to make sure I get that story right. But, um, but the whole point, you know, the point is the same thing. And I just think that with coaches, you know, we're trying to lift the stigma on mental health and therapy and counseling and stuff. But I mean, I can even say for me, there's still some like, Oh, I'm, if I, and this is something like I'm, this is my own stuff I'm working through is, it's like, oh, if I need to do that, that means I'm failing in some way. Cause the high achiever in me is saying, what am I not doing a good enough job handling all my stuff? You know, I'm trying my best. Um, so I feel like with coaching, it's just that beautiful. I don't even know if middle ground's the right word, but it's this just personal development space where what people used to get maybe more so in mentorship through their jobs or school with teachers. And just now that life is so go, 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 we miss out on some of those mentoring relationships. And I feel like coaching is that space where it's like, like you said, you're not being diagnosed. It's like not, you know, and I feel like coaches too can also be a great safe place to explore things and then figure out what is the stuff I need to dig deeper on. And I need to go to a counselor or a therapist or um, psychiatrist, you know, 
but it's kind of that nice, I don't know, it just feels like a nice, safe space to step into. So, And, and you're absolutely right. That's kind of how I look at it. I also try to create a judgment-free zone. Oh, like, yeah. you know, whatever happens in this safe space, it's for you. I want you to be able to come to me as a friend and just say, okay, I'm going to dump everything out. All right. If you know me personally and you coach with me, I take that part that you know, and I put her on a shelf. I put Karen on a shelf. It's better than Elf in a shelf. Yeah. And I sit there and I really kind of transform into the realm of, all right, no judgment. I'm not going to preconceive everything I know about you. I'm going to actually sit here and just listen to what it is that you're saying. I take so many notes. It's ridiculous, but it's great because after a few sessions, I start to make connections Mm. and I go back and go, wait, you said this on this date. Now, do you think this is connected or did I just make a crazy leap? And it's great because sometimes it, I feel like it's it's earth shattering because it's like, wait, did you make that connection yourself? Um, but it is. It's meant to be a safe space, almost like a friend. And I'm also trying to tap in your own inner knowledge mm-hmm. because you're smarter than you give yourself credit for. I mean, we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we sit back and and we're in that session, you know, most people want to complain. I want you to fix it for me. Yeah. That's not what coaching is. It's yeah. what can you do to take the steps that's going to make you happier, more successful? You know, yeah, I have a couple of, of techniques, you know, under, uh, you know, in my sleeve. Yeah. Um, I always get cliches wrong. It's really funny. It's we right, call them too. Karenisms in my family. <laughs> me too. And the problem with the podcast is that they're recorded. And so normally as a fast talker, you just pop, 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 and people just don't know if you really said something. So exactly. So, you know, you're going to get those with me, you know, you're going to sit back and go, wait a second, but I get but, the point, but people get the point. So it's all good. Right. Exactly. Good. So I digress, but you know, it, it's one of those things coaching with me. I want this to be your sacred space, you know, whether this is the, this is my hour away from my kids, my dogs, my husband, my coworkers, my whatever, down to the, I feel like my life, I'm just struggling. I don't know what to do next. Help me see it. And we're harder on ourselves than everybody else. I, you know, when I was in my corporate job, um, we'd make mistakes. And obviously, as the boss, I've got to go and address it. And many times my staff would look at me and be like, why are you not mad? Well, because A, I knew who you are as a person. But second of all, I also hired high high achievers. So I know when I'm done addressing the issue in the most benign way, my back is going to turn and you're going to beat yourself up. It will never happen again. Oh, man, that just sounds like parenting, especially my daughter. Oh, But, you know, why am I going to sit here and yell at you to make you feel worse when I already know the way you're built? You're going to sit there and beat yourself up 10 times more than I ever could or would. Oh, that's convicting. Oh, that's so convicting. (laughs) You know? So it's like, hey, do you know you messed up? You know, whatever it was, I did. Yeah. So we just need to do this next time. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm so sorry. I'd still get IMs and texts. I'm so sorry about that mistake. Three days later, I'm not upset about it. Like, I said my piece. I've moved on. Yeah. But these are the people that I knew, you know, Mm -hmm. they didn't want to make a mistake and they didn't want, you know, that to be a tarnished look on our team or whatever. They were the ones that were sitting there with it more than I was. Yeah. So when you take that into coaching, I'm not going to sit here and make you feel bad. You're already feeling bad enough. And you struck a chord with that high achiever. 
Um, cause I know I've worked with a coach, uh, and it's funny because I said, why, you know, we were talking about coaching and kind of, um, cause he did a podcast episode too. And so it was not like leading people. It's you're walking beside them. And I loved that analogy and everything we talked about. Um, I was like, well, I do that for people. I feel like I'm good at connecting the dots and I'm good at that. So because I'm good at that, I don't need someone to do that. But it's that whole gift of perspective that when someone else hears it, you're just so in your head. And so I really think with those high achievers that it's just that sounding board to have someone help you make sense of your thoughts or the whole, I noticed that you said this and it's like, oh, thank you for forcing me to stop. And that's the high achievers, you know, having a safe place to just decompress those thoughts, I think is really important. So well, and, you know, think about those high achievers. They don't set out that morning and say, I'm going to make a mistake and screw someone up. I, I mean, I don't think even the low achievers set out to do that, yep. you know, but I'm going to sit there and and not be up. We're, yeah. You know, there's this thing called being human. That's right. <laughs> wow. I mean, I tr- I, you try to teach that with my kids. And you said something early on, too, that reminded me it's the whole showing them like, hey, I made a mistake or I lashed out. I'm sorry I did that. Because it's like, we can tell them, oh, everyone makes mistakes. But if we're not ever modeling that, mm-hmm. then all those win- words go out the window. So, And I'm sure you've heard it's easier to build up someone continually than knock them down and then try to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And especially with kids, that's such a true statement. Because think about a time where you were yelled at, you know, mm-hmm. a- as a kid, or your your parents were having a bad day, and they took it out on you. And they certainly didn't mean to when it certainly was just a passing moment. But you as a five, six, seven year old, you take that and then all of a sudden I'm not worthy of mm-hmm. love yeah. or this. And that's how it starts. So when you look at some of the struggles you have at, you know, in your late twenties, thirties, forties, whatever mm-hmm. age, a lot of these are, are pieces that were programmed unintentionally way back then. So yeah. you're carrying and holding on to all of this, um, this story you tell yourself and it's not true. I was talking to my mom actually about this the other day. We were talking about trauma and how I just, of course, what's like in my feed is all these, you know, um, things about just the whole idea of so much as if it's our childhood and how it affects us. And what I thought was interesting and something I'd read is like, you know, there's trauma that we think of as trauma, abuse, um, all different kinds and whatnot, abandonment, things like that. But it's all about the relativeness. I don't know if that's the right word, relativity. Um, Anything can be trauma though. It can just be being snapped at because it's how your body perceives it. So if it feels a certain way, it doesn't matter if it's like what the way we judge trauma or the way we judge grief. Um, Christina Kotlis, uh, she wrote a book, I Quit Facing Cancer with Faith, Family and Friends. And um, she talks about, she's not trying to win the suffering Olympics. And it's like, I that's a great reminder because so often, you know, people share stuff and it's like, you think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not as, I don't, I don't have as much trauma as they do. And, or I just, this is all that happened to me, nothing big, but it's like, I think the more grace we give ourselves, no matter what our experiences were honoring that inner child in us and saying, you know what, that inner child got hurt sometime, even if no one meant it. And that's why earlier too, when you were talking about the parents, 
I'm grateful for the relationship I have with my parents. And I never want to say anything negative. Like, I just don't want to be grateful. I don't want to be, you know, but like, that's where it's like, oh, okay. You know, you looking at your childhood, it's not a dig or a slight towards them. Because I've also said, like my husband and I joke a lot um, with our kids. It's like, we're trying, we're trying so hard. You know, it's like he did a podcast episode about him going to therapy and we, here I am doing this podcast and we talk about feelings so much. And when they were little, I tried to hug them if they were upset versus yelling at them. And, but I'm still going to screw my kids up because we're human. Like I can't be perfect. I can't be every little thing they need because I'm incapable of that. So they're going to have some wounds of like, this need didn't get fulfilled by my parents in some way, but not because I'm a bad person, just because I'm human. So, well, and look at it. Every generation wants to do it a little different because Mm -hmm. of something they didn't like, you Mm -hmm. know? So look at our parents and the way they were different from their parents and how we're doing it compared to their parents. And I guarantee you, everyone is screwing up their own kids now and they're going to do it different. So yeah, yeah, it's never a knock. And again, it's perspective. It's, are you going to sit back and say, um, you know, my parents did a phenomenal job and I'm totally screwed up or they were horrible and I can't imagine ever doing X, Y, Z. And that's actually another thing that reminds me. We have two kind of voices in our head. So, you know, you constantly have that that inner roommate. I, I read a book, I can't remember the title, but it basically said that voice that's always talking in your head is your inner roommate you can't get rid of. I like that. I know, you can't get rid of it, you know, and, and most of the time they're worrying about things that happened in the past or things that will happen in the future. So we tend to work with our voice of judgment here. So our voice of judgment is I'm driving in the car. I've been cut off. And the first thing you go is that idiot, you know, jerk. Why are they such a mean person to do that to me? I almost killed myself because they sped in front of me or any number of things. That's your voice of judgment. But then if you tap into your voice of wisdom, That's the voice that's sitting there going, well, you know what? Maybe they were in a rush to pick up their kids or they had a family emergency and just didn't see me because there were other things that were clearly more important. I'm not going to know that. So let's step back and give them grace. You know, and it's it's those kind of moments. So I actually have on my my uh, board in front of me a voice of wisdom and a voice of judgment kind of board. So are you pressured Penny who has the weight of the world on your shoulders? Or are you going to be successful Sydney? Everything I want is at my fingertips. I've got this. You choose which voice mm-hmm. is going to be your your vocal side. Yeah. Yeah. Feeding that faith or feeding that fear. You know, that's, I've heard the analogy of the two, I think it's the two wolves inside of us, you know, and the one we feed is the one that gets it. So we can sit back and use that voice of judgment of, you know, my parents screwed me up, but you know, at the same instance, you are because of them. So, you know, as much as I sit back and I say, well, I didn't like that mom did that or did this. She is also the reason why I'm sitting here, you know, Mm -hmm. all of the um, strengths she instilled in me. Yeah, may have been tougher lessons that I, you know, as an empath would have said, oh, no, that's a little too rough. But she only did it out of love, you know, and that's kind of one of those things that I will always take away. You know, yeah, I can sit here and disagree with this piece or that piece. But at the end of the day, I am because of the way she pushed and loved and really sacrificed for me. 
And you said that so well, because it ties right into what you said in the beginning about going through experiences. And, and, you know, you even said going through traumatic experiences and what I just said about how kind of we assign certain parameters to that trauma, you know, and it might not be what we think of, you know, in our adult brains as trauma, but like you said, as an empath, the way your mom treated you is like, Ooh, not ideal. But now you have that perspective shift to now change that. And that's the whole thing is, is all this stuff gets passed down through generation to generation. And you having that now perspective, you can shift that because had your grandmother had that perspective shift, think how different it could have been, but maybe, you know, but there's other generational things they were probably breaking. You can't, you can't do it all. You know, we each have to do our part. (laughs) Well, and, you know, you sit back and especially with watching the news this year, you know, you look at how different races are just affected. And one of the things that I learned is I think I had a pretty privileged life. Mm -hmm. We were middle class. I know my parents, you know, my dad worked three jobs. My mom, because my sister, uh, you know, had a visual disability, she couldn't work because she was taking care of my sister. But, you know, I I look at the privilege that I had. We always had a roof over our head, food in our belly, and we had the necessities. Anything after that was just icing on the cake. So I sit back and say, it wasn't always easy and it isn't always easy today. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have the basics. So I actually look at that as having a very privileged life. So, you know, you look at the experiences and you say, what am I grateful for? And Mm -hmm. Doing daily, you know, gratitude, you know, journaling actually really helps because that helps you with your perspective. Are you going to be the negative Nelly or are you going to be the positive person? Yeah. I choose positive. Let's, let's put more of that out there. I love that reminder as coming from a place of gratitude. Cause I think when we do start to unpack some stuff, there's just so much conflicting emotion and kind of centering yourself from that place is a great starting point. So absolutely. It really is. Well, Karen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, You can reach me on my website, which is giftofperspectivecoaching.com. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I appreciate this gift of perspective that you have shared today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Samantha. As always, I love chatting with you. Yay. Thank you. And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Please visit our website at flushingitout.com for all things flushing and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.